0: Jana, the little sister, and I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to
1: Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry, baseball. How many trash cans can a fan throw on the field before they get ejected? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Eleven.
0: Eleven. And now for quite a bit, you are
1: A year late, but worth it. The Tokyo Olympics has extinguished the flame. The United States stood on top of the podium with 113 medals overall. 39 of those gold. Allison Felix became the most decorated track and field Olympian in U.S. history by winning her 11th career medal, while swimmer Caleb Dressel collected an impressive five golds in Tokyo. The U.S. also swept the men's and women's golf and basketball competitions.
0: Former Angel and Red Sox all-star, second baseman, and current Red Sox announcer Jerry Remy has decided to step away from the NESN broadcast booth to undergo more cancer treatment. This is not the first time he has stepped away. He has been battling lung cancer since 2008. He said in a message to Red Sox Nation, I will battle this with all I have. Former Indians and A's all-star catcher and Oakland A's announcer Ray Fossey has also announced he is stepping away from the booth to focus on the treatment of his 16-year cancer battle. This was the first time he has publicly spoken of it.
1: Bobby Bowden, Florida State's legendary head football coach, has died. He was 91. Last month, Bowden announced he had a terminal illness and he was at peace With whatever was coming his way. Bowden turned Florida State football into a national powerhouse during his 34-year tenure in Tallahassee. The Seminoles won 12 ACC titles, adding national championships in 1993 and 1999. In addition to Florida State, Bowden coached at Samford and west virginia he retired in 2009.
0: iconic and intimidating pitcher jr richard has passed away at 71. the houston astros fireballer dominated the mid to late 70s the six foot eight inch james rodney richard won 20 games in 1976 led the mlb in Ks in 78 and 79 and era in 79. after a great start to the 1980 season he suffered a stroke effectively ending his career he did try to make a comeback but was unable to regain his prior form many players when asked who they least wanted to face said J.R. richard you can find these in past week's headlines on our website siblingrivalrybb.com remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen and tell a friend to listen to the sibling rivalry baseball podcast
1: we love our listeners we want you to download and listen to the podcast and share it with others we just ask you to acknowledge sibling rivalry baseball podcast as a source of the material. Please do not except with our express written permission, distribute or commercially misuse the content.
0: All right, we're going to try this one more time. That sounds closer to the Olympic theme, I think. And as mentioned, the Olympics have wrapped up and uh, Olympic baseball, Overall, had a pretty good run, uh, ending up with a silver medal, right?
1: Yeah. uh, Japan defeated the United States two to nothing uh, to win Japan's first Olympic gold in baseball.
0: I believe Japan also took the softball gold medal as well. Also,
1: winning two to nothing, beating the Americans for. (laughs) The silver medal, they got the silver medal. So baseball and softball, both silver medalists. But in Japan, they have a professional softball league. We know about Japanese baseball. It's huge. So this is a really big... I think it's okay that Japan won the gold in their home country because in the next Olympics, which will happen in 2024 in Paris, there will be no softball. There will be no baseball but there will be breakdancing.
0: Oh, awesome. Oh, I can't wait. When is that? That's in Paris. I know that they were already celebrating in Paris. 2024, right? So three years away?
1: 2024. And I think the best place to be for the 2024 Olympics, which will be in Paris. However, surfing is part of the Olympics. So I think we should just all go to Tahiti, 10,000 miles away for the surfing competition.
0: That's where they're having the surfing in the yes. Olympics, not yes. in Paris.
1: Well, I, wow, the only yeah, thing I no, guess I, in Paris it's landlocked, and they could have fake those fake, you know, like at yeah. the water parks.
0: Wave can have, yeah. No, I I think Tahiti's better. I guess that is a French territory, huh? So
1: yeah. Yeah. So. so I
0: cause I was just thinking that's better. Let's go to Tahiti to watch the uh the Olympic surfing. And then that way I don't have to come up with some other excuse as to why I didn't watch Olympic breakdancing.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, one
0: thing that I read, and I don't remember the Japanese uh team's coach or manager, but he called Shohei Otani to get some advice on how to handle American pitchers.
1: Oh, interesting. Now what,
0: Shohei may have said, we don't know. Right. One thing is, though, is that the Japanese used, uh, I think they actually used players that are in their professional leagues, whereas the U.S. team didn't have anybody like that. There's no open agreement with MLB and the Olympics so that players can take the time off to go play. So I don't think we're not sending our best. I just think that our guys just were maybe a little overmatched. It was a great team. They they played a lot of good games. They lost to Japan twice in the Olympic tournament, so they just couldn't solve them. But they didn't play them badly. It just
1: yeah. No, in the first game they went into zinnings, and in this game, you know, it's like Todd Frazier. He was they o for four. They just couldn't get hits in in this one. And Sounds they like did the mention. Yeah. The Angels. <laughs> it, it they also mentioned a lot of the US players mentioned how different the Japanese pitch versus how the Americans pitch. So that's probably why the uh they were asking Otani how do we handle these American pitchers? And then they should have then Mike Sosha should have called Otani and said, How do we handle these handle Japanese the, pitchers? Right. <laughs>
0: exactly all right it could have been the
1: mediator
0: right that would have been perfect yeah all right so 2024 is the next olympics but uh no baseball or softball and we don't know yet if in 28 when they're here in los angeles if they will be included then i would assume surfing will make it but it won't be in tahiti it'll probably be at zuma or huntington beach or something
1: Yeah, someplace like that. I think definitely we, I would say, yes, we will see softball and baseball back in 2028 in Los Angeles.
0: So we're heading into the end of the baseball season. I think we're far enough in now that we can't say, wait, it's still early. Even though to me, it still kind of feels that way. I don't know why, but it still feels like there's time and I noticed in the in the standings that the Indians are ten games back of the White Sox, so it's like eh, I think that's their. You know, the White Sox are pulling away and they're getting people back off the IL, and that's helping. So we can kind of look ahead now at next year's schedule for the, especially for the teams that they're just playing out the string now. So we, let's take a look. Uh, I know the Dodgers start off at home. The Angels will travel to Oakland, which is, last year they were at home for, or this season they were at home for the White Sox. Next year they'll go back on the road to Oakland. So, anything that you saw in the schedule that kind of stood out to you?
1: Well, I think for the Dodgers, they're playing the Rockies again, but this time at home. They opened in... Colorado this season. So maybe that's the thing because before it was always the Dodgers and the Giants. That was always the classic first day, you know, opening day was Dodgers and Giants and I'm curious about how they're getting away from that. And now it's the Dodgers and the Rockies. It just doesn't seem to flow right. And then I did notice interleague play throughout the season will be the AL East versus the NL Central, the AL Central versus the NL West, and AL West versus the NL East. So the Dodgers will be able to uh, see those uh, Central, the um, American League Central teams, so they'll be going to, you know, Minnesota and, you know, those fun locales in the Midwest.
0: Yeah, in the first month, they'll have two interleague series, one versus the Twins, the other one versus Detroit. And the rest of the month, they start out Rockies, D-backs, Rockies, Minnesota, Padres, D-backs, Detroit. So the only team they don't see in the first month of their division is the Giants.
1: Yeah. Yeah which I think is what happened this season too. It seemed like it was a while before they saw the giants. They so. don't see
0: the giants until may they have two games set versus versus them in may and that, but they play them every month for the rest of the the season. So yeah. they'll ha- we'll, we'll see the giants and the Dodgers from may till September. The other thing that I noticed, because this year the all-star game is at Dodger stadium and The 2020 schedule, when it was originally supposed to be at Dodger Stadium, had the Sunday before the All-Star break off. The Angels and the Dodgers were going to play then. They did the same thing this time. The Angels and Dodgers will meet for their second and final series of the year uh, in July, but they're only going to play Friday and Saturday, and both of them will have the Sunday off. I'm assuming so they can get Dodger Stadium ready.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. But why didn't they
0: switch it the other way around, have them play at Angel Stadium, so that it was open for them to...
1: Right, yeah, that makes more sense, because then they would have more time to get Dodger Stadium ready, because on Monday is always the, you know, home run derby, that's media day. So, yeah. I wonder sometimes how they put these schedules together how they decide and if those type of things come up like oh maybe if we switch it and we have them ending in anaheim instead of ending in la that would be better for mlb or the all-star game but who am i
0: um, somebody with better ideas <laughs> you got a lot of great ideas you just got to get out of going with the flow all the time Uh, one key that I picked up on, uh, you got, uh, with the Dodgers before we look at the angels and, and something else that stuck out to me and, and I got backup from, then I'll, I'll tell you who, who I got the backup from the Cleveland guardian will be playing the Dodgers in June. Yes. And the halos will have the guardians earlier on in their season at home. They, uh, they too start off with a lot of games versus They have Oakland to start, then they go, then they're Seattle, then they've got the Asterix, which is their home opener. Then they're going to play the Marlins because they've got the NL East, the AL West does. And then they they hit the road again for Texas and Houston, and then they'll have the Orioles and the Guardians. So Baltimore and Cleveland in, and that's pretty much how the first month looks. One thing that I noticed, and I found a article on InsideHook.com by a guy named Evan Blyer, and he's uh, at It Is How It Is on Twitter. And he went a little more in-depth in it, but I was thinking, what about the cold weather? Last year in Detroit, Miguel Cabrera hit a double, I mean a home run. (laughs) He didn't know what it was because the snow flurries. It was so thick, he, he just slid into second and then was like, oh, it's a home run? Great. But how many games get called because of cold? It's possible for it to happen in Colorado. Tampa Bay and Boston open versus one another March 31st in Boston.
1: I did see that. And I think that their first games of the season this year were postponed because of weather. So again, isn't this being taken into consideration the sunnier climates, the warmer climates of, you know, maybe start there and then work your way Migrate north.
0: up later. Well, like yeah. this,
1: Diamondbacks
0: and the Brewers start off versus one another. That one's fine because the Brewers have a dome. However, right. Arizona's stadium can be closed up. Why wouldn't you play not the Brewers, but another team so that across the whole bottom of the country, you just need 15 stadium. And if you're going to have somebody play, don't have Milwaukee and Arizona play, have Milwaukee play somebody that's not in a dome that's in the Northern tier. That could be, it's like Cleveland and Kansas city in Cleveland. That could be a snow out or an ice out. Even if it was the other way around, it could be just as bitterly cold in Kansas City. Yeah. So, And then the Mets and the Nationals. Once again, (laughs) two cities at that time. The Nationals less so, but still, you get those freeze warnings. It shuts down D.C.
1: Yeah, the whole city is shut down. People are stranded on 95. It's it's really bad. Uh, I can attest to that.
0: You know, St. Louis and Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. Let if you have those, look at those stadiums that can be, you know, that are domed. That you know, uh, so Arizona, Milwaukee, the Rangers, the Marlins, Tampa Bay, Houston, Houston. That's all I can think and of. Then, but then you throw <laughs> but in, still. then you
0: could throw in. Dodgers and Angels, San Diego. Right. Probably San Francisco,
1: because it'll still be it'll be cold, but you but can it won't still be play.
0: it won't be frozen cold.
1: No, it'll just be in the 50s, which is see cold. like like this makes
0: sense. The Yankees are playing the Rangers to start. Yeah. The Phillies will be in Houston. Makes sense. Makes Boston sense. should be in Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay is in Boston. Yeah. Uh, Toronto and Baltimore. Baltimore should have went to Toronto if you're gonna if you're gonna do that because yeah. Rogers Center is
1: closed. Oh, right, that's another closed stadium. Yeah, that makes more sense because again, uh, Baltimore and it being right there, the Camden Yard, Camden Yards is right there. You know, right near the Inner Harbor, there on the water. I can't get nippy. Right. See. And icy or snowy. <laughs> depending on what Mother Nature wants to do. Oh, it's baseball's opening day. I'll throw some confetti in the form of snow. She's so
0: excited about it that all of her nature stuff happens at once. It's <laughs> right. so excited about opening day. So this segment uh segment one, usually we talk about, you know, one thing. We talk about stuff that's going on in the league. Sometimes, you know, rule changes or or bad umpiring or, or other things. And normally it's the uh what do we call this? The potpourri.
1: Potpourri. We're enveloping the potpourri.
0: I when you first said we should just have a potpourri segment. I thought you were talking about the name of your new store that you're going to be opening (laughs) there. in
1: no, I, I was, uh, channeling, channeling our, our dad and his way he (laughs) spoke and potpourri and envelope, envelope. instead of an envelope, you needed an envelope because it envelops the letter. It does. The letter was completely enveloped. (laughs) Anyway,
0: so a couple of things that we talked about before was some of the rule changes that they were trying in the experimental leagues. And one of them has started, which is the Atlantic League mound. They've started the first half of the season with the mounds at the normal 60 feet six inches. That's where it is in Major League Baseball and, and just about everywhere. The Atlantic League has now pushed it back one foot to sixty-one six. From all the things that I've read and heard, and I know you read some stuff too, it seems to me like there's uh there's a fair amount of grousing about this.
1: One from the guys that are on the you know, the groundskeepers, because they have to move the mound. It's not like you know, they push a button, it's labor intensive. And then they have to use all these, um, you know, things to make sure that it's exactly right. And and not only that, they're not moving the mound. So after the season is over in the Atlantic League, they still, those stadiums will rent the stadium out for tournaments and things like that. And they're going to tell the people, hey, the mound is at 61 feet, six inches. We're not moving it. So good luck with your tournament if you want to rent our stadium, but it's a lot, it's labor intensive. And also one thing that they mentioned was pitchers. One of the managers said "I pitchers are probably only going to go maybe four or five innings because of the distance in it. And He said he saw a lot of his pitchers huffing and puffing to (laughs) to throw from there. Now, the goal of the mound change is to increase the amount of balls in play by hitters. MLB said that the change would result in the 2020 Major League average fastball of 93.3 miles per hour becoming the equivalent of a 91.6 mile per hour fastball to a hitter. And Which, oddly
0: enough that difference makes a difference.
1: It does. Yeah. So they're going up according to MLB, they sent out a survey to fans. I didn't fill out a survey. Did you fill out a survey? No. No. I think it was Manfred filled out a survey. And he said, I want to see these things. And as we call the Atlantic League is more the exper- experimental league because that's where everything is experimented. They have this rule and a lot of the they've already been having the pitchers in the league throw from that distance before this happens. So they'd be ready for it, but they're still not happy with it. And they are concerned about potential injuries to the pitchers.
0: Now, wasn't there like a study done where they said there really wasn't any uh, change in mechanics or or higher risk of injuries? And they had the mound set as far back as like 63 feet.
1: Yeah, 63 feet, 8 inches. The American Sports Medicine Institute, they did 60 feet, 6 inches, 62 feet, 6 inches. And then, as you mentioned, 63 feet, 8 inches. And there was no... Um, risk of, or no increased risk of injury. And they used college pitchers in the experiment, but they didn't see any increased risk. So I think it's just something new. It's something different and either people are going to love it or they're going to hate it. I don't think there's really going to be anything in between. And I, we haven't, it hasn't been in effect long enough To really see if it's made a difference.
0: Yeah, so that'll be something
1: we'll have to come back and look at.
0: Yeah, it's only been a few games. Uh, Another one of the rules that uh, this was implemented in the high A, we made fun of it, called it the step-off rule that you had to haul over. Step, I'm stepping off. But the deal was with the the pick-off moves, you had to step off completely, then make your move. What they saw was, was that uh, there was a 70 to 80% increase in successful attempts. So it really didn't help the game. They were still running at about the same clip. They were just successful more often, which I thought that's what MLB wanted. But it it takes away from a part of the game. And what's the two things? Pitch framing will become non, you know, you don't need it. Where's the robo lump in, uh, in, in one of the A leagues. And, uh, and then, so you won't need to frame a pitch anymore if you've got a robo lump. And then you don't have to learn a pickoff move. These lefties who have deceptive moves that are legal moves. That's a great thing. That's as good as having a great curveball or a hundred mile an hour fastball. Somebody gets on and you can take them out.
1: Yeah, as soon as you get the, a clear
0: shot, you take him out.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so the pitchers have to step off of the pitching rubber before attempting any pickoff. For right-handed throwers, it's not it's not bad, but for those lefties that really do work on, I mean, obviously right-handers do too, but I think those lefties, because they are at a little bit of a disadvantage <laughs> Um, They work on those moves. And there was one guy who pitches in the uh, Central League. His last name's Watson. I think it's Tyler Watson. And the team he plays for escapes me, of course, because I can't think of anything right now. Anyway, uh, and he is a left-handed pitcher. And he he said, I've worked on my pickoff move since high school, even before that. I got it down pat. I know what I need to do and I got to do this. So they were happy that that is no longer, uh, in play right now for that, for that league.
0: So we'll continue to, uh, to monitor those things, continue to shake our head and facepalm MLB about how they schedule. And then, um, Oh, I, I did want to shout out to, uh, Indy ball Island at any ball pod, who uh, I was able to get a little bit of information from on the the mound movement uh, from my side. So because unlike some people, Sarah Langs, uh, I don't take stuff from other people and not give them credit. It's time for
1: Dodger Baseball. Last
0: weekend, big weekend in L.A. was a freeway series, Dodgers and Angels at the Ravine. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So what we're going to do today is a little different than normal. We're going to mix in the segments. So we're going to start off talking about uh, the Dodgers' first series of the week. Then we'll talk about the Angels, both against teams from Texas. And then we'll talk about the freeway series since it's those two teams and uh, and how all that went. So the Dodgers, uh, the most awaited series of the last two seasons. And mostly this season, this would have happened last year. Except there were no fans. So it didn't really work out the way that uh, everybody wanted. Now, it was fun. When the Dodgers early on went to Houston and we got the uh, the nice swing and the pouty lip from Joe Kelly, making him a folk hero in L.A., and further proof that Carlos Correa is just whiny. He's a whiny little baby, him and his uh, his buddy. He's always consoling. Altuve, have you ever noticed that they show that yes. picture so much? And you know he's so big, and Altuve's so small. He's always, it is like a father son, you know, patting yeah. him on the
1: back. <laughs> it's too bad that you struck out. Yeah. Well, in the first game, well, let's talk about the atmosphere of the game. It was raucous. It was loud. I was watching the game, and I always watched the L.A. feed, and there were times where I could hardly hear Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser call the game. It was that loud. And, and of course, people know where microphones are in the stadium, and they tend to be louder during that time. There were also some things that the Dodgers fans did boo Altuve, every time he came up, um, Carlos Correa, every time he came up. Um, those were the two big, two big guys. Alec Bregman, he's like, you know, I hurt myself. I had to go in rehab. Oh, wait, the Astros are playing the Dodge uh, in Dodger Stadium. I think I hurt something else. So I got to have
0: to be in Round Rock on a yeah. rehab assignment.
1: That's right. I have a, I I got something going on. I can't be there. So he wasn't there. And uh, the first game did not go the Dodgers' way. Uh, Walker Bueller was on the mound, but Lance McCullers Jr. was also on the mound for Houston. He had nine strikeouts. He looked really good six and two thirds innings. Uh, Walker pitched six innings, but, you know, gave up five hits in a run. Uh, had five strikeouts. But the thing about Lance McCullers Jr. is he wasn't part of that World Series um, cheaters. But he has that, it's like he's kind of taken that persona on. And when they won, he tweeted out, this was for H-Town. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, what? I don't know that I mean I get it but you weren't part of that you know it just
0: really only only Correa and Altuve yeah were really members of that team
1: mhm
0: and those were the guys who Correa more than even Altuve were the guys who made it worse Correa doubled he down s- on it, on everything he
1: still doubled down I mean really he Even though Altuve's, they came out and they had their little statement that was like what three words and Bregman and they were you know downcast and they were talking you know okay we're but Correa was like we earned that championship we didn't we didn't cheat we didn't do and he still I think thinks that he he still has that. But
0: that's like O.J. Simpson still claims he didn't, you know, murder anybody. Right. But yeah. yeah. By now it's like just let it go. You got away with it.
1: Yeah. In this first game again going back to the atmosphere, there were a lot of trash cans thrown, uh the inflatable trash cans people threw out on the field. There were several warnings from the Dodgers, you know, announcer uh that you know, this is not tolerated. And one of the things that he said it didn't make a difference to him, his catcher said otherwise, was Walker Bueller, not that he didn't pitch well, but he did have three walks and only five strikeouts, which is low for him. There were several times when the play of the game was stopped because somebody threw a trash can on the field. And Will Smith said that it did mess with his timing. And Walker Bueller, I don't know that he would admit to it, but he probably would never admit to it. But I'm wondering, you know, he wasn't as sharp as he normally would be. And so maybe the Dodger fans, the first night, the, guy, the people who came the second night, maybe they learned something. It was still raucous. It was still loud. But it wasn't as crazy. You know, it wasn't as... Maybe it was still crazy, but, I mean, there were some trash cans that were thrown, but they didn't do it when the Dodgers were pitching. And who was pitching? Mad Max in his Dodger debut. And I got to say, he does look really good in Dodger blue. And especially with his eyes, with the one blue and the one brown. That's just, I mean, he's, it's like, it was awesome. He was on fire. And he had never, he said he never received a curtain call. And you don't usually see this for a pitcher. But he got a curtain call in his first start from the Dodger faithful he went seven innings, five hit uh, gave up five hits, two runs, one walk, and uh, he did give up a home run. And how many strikeouts did he have? Ten. Ten. That's right. Because I wrote a zero and forgot to put the one in front of it, and I'm like, that is not right. No. Nope. Ten strikeouts. So not only. He has 10 strikeouts, enduring himself to the Dodger faithful, so the next day they can go get a jumbo jack, courtesy of Max. That's right. Um, Thanks, Max.
0: Welcome to L.A. We're not hungry, so it's easy to be (laughs) thankful.
1: And not only that, he struck out Altuve four times. Well, Altuve struck out four times, but three of those were courtesy of Max Scherzer. And he said the energy and just everything that was going on in that stadium, he was feeding off of that. And he's the type of guy that you could see him doing right. well, that. I mean, he's a veteran
0: and, like that. He's been yeah. in a lot of situations where it's that crazy.
1: Well, um, and that's, I think that's where the difference was too between game one, where it was just all out nuts in the stands and, You know, and to game two where people were still, yes, we're going to still boo and we're still going to do these things. But it was it was a little bit more maybe I didn't want to say sophisticated in a way, but also maybe because the excitement of Max Scherzer and his first start with the Dodgers, I think, played into that.
0: Yeah, muted Um, down just a little bit. Uh, The second night. It also helped that on the second night that uh, Mookie hit two home runs. Yep. AJ was two for four with a home run and two RBIs. The uh, Will Smith had three RBIs and a home run. So those things helped because the night before, really nothing good happened offensively. They had five total hits and Max Muncy struck out three times.
1: So that yeah. did
0: The Asterix made two errors in both games, but they weren't able to capitalize on those errors in the first game, obviously. Yeah. And one thing I saw that I thought was kind of funny was that Lance McCullers Jr. was used as a pinch hitter in the yeah. second game. In the fifth inning, he came in and pinch hit. Everybody gave up a home run. Max gave up a home run. Joe Kelly gave up a home run. And Kinley Jansen gave up a home run. should have been what uh like seven to two or something. But uh those those other home runs being given up brought it to what a seven to five.
1: Seven to five, yeah. Win for the Dodgers. But yeah, when Kyle Tucker hit that home run off of Kinley Jansen, it was like, Are you kidding? No, this cannot be <laughs> happening. I
0: was fastening my my seatbelt because I thought uh-oh here we go.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. But he was able to get it together, get the game, you know, close out the game. Now Joe Kelly, he gave up a home run to Correa. Correa, he is just a villain and he enjoys being a villain. He relishes being a villain. And I really can't see him. He will be a free agent next season. He's also in that Class of shortstops that'll all be free agents. And I really can't see him playing anywhere else but with the Asterix because he's just, he's polarizing. And maybe, maybe that's because I'm a Dodger fan, but I really think he's just a polarizing figure. I think,
0: I think that this one, it's one thing being a Dodger fan or a fan of a team that was affected by this because the Yankee fans are just as upset. They feel like they yeah. got cheated out of a chance at the World Series in 2017. But there's one thing about how the Dodger fan views like a Giants or the Padres. The Carlos Correa and and that Asterix team, the 2017 team, has across the board fans all over are ticked off at the way it was all handled. What happened? And I think had they come out and said, we're sorry, we got, we let the competition get, you know, it doesn't even have to be that good of an apology. Just one that makes sense. We let the, the competition take us over and the want to win. We know that we're a good enough team without it, but we didn't we didn't trust ourselves or believe in ourselves fully, and we and we went down this road. Had they done that, nobody would care. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And the only one—now, Altuve's been pretty quiet. Like you said, Carlos Correa is the one who's out there running his mouth all the time. Somebody who matters not in any baseball circle at any point in time in his career— seems to think he needs to be part of this and that's josh reddick who thought he was some awesome mr dfa can't even play for the worst team in baseball they let you go you're worse than the worst team in baseball
1: i wonder if josh reddick's tweet because he sent out this tweet of loki you know the the bad the villain brother from thor thor's villain brother and you know, like scoreboard watching, and the Diamondbacks are like, He's not even, you know, one, he's not good, and two, he's not even doesn't even care about our team, he's still wanting to be an asterisk. So, we're kicking him to the curb. So, I say, Good job, D backs, you want him to the curb, yes, right, D yes, you D-backs won. one Reddick zero. So I wonder now, is it over? I think as the time, I mean, it's been four years. However, as you mentioned, fans didn't get this opportunity to get out that up frustration. So maybe when they play, I think there will always be, especially, and I don't think it matters where they play. If they continue to play for the asterisks or if they play somewhere else, but especially Altuve and Bregman and uh, Correa, of course, I think there will always be a, I think they're always going to get booed because they were, (laughs) they were part of that. Yeah. And, but will it be to, you know, where the people are still throwing trash cans on the field? I think that, You know, those kind of things kind of go away unless you're in the Bronx and then you may get baseballs thrown on the field that were promotional items from the Yankees. (laughs) You know, so I don't know if it ever goes away. I don't think it ever goes away, but I think maybe the level of uh, will maybe tone down. But I think those players in particular will will always be be less
0: about. The asterisks as an organization and more about those players.
1: I think eventually I think
0: Altuvi probably ruined a chance at the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he it's when you look at the asterisk before and you think, you know, these are they're good ball players. So why did you have to resort to using those type of methods. I mean, sign stealing, it's part of on the field, you know, you're at second base, you're, you know, that kind of thing has happened. And I think people look at that as that's just part of the game on the field. But when you're using other means off of the field, it becomes a much bigger thing. And so that is something that I don't think they're ever going to live down. But then I think it does go back to the individual player because the Houston Astros, as you mentioned, the players that are there, you know, Michael Brantley, he's a good ball player. He wasn't there, but he didn't get booed. I mean, that's the one thing is the, the Dodger fans did not boo you know, him or some of the other guys, even though, Like Kyle Tucker, he has that face that you just want to punch. So, yeah, yeah, I think it just, I think eventually it gets to the point where it's more going to be individual players than a team as a whole because they're not always going to, you know, we don't know where they're going to end up. Will they always be um, the asterisks? Well, they'll always be asses,
0: but yes. Asses, asterisks. (laughs) I think they are because that that world series and you know we should be continuing to boo the commissioner as long as he's in there too because he helped create a lot of this by there being no um they they're not having any kind of um punishment really yeah
1: and any any baseball writer or you know analyst commentator I don't care how you feel about the asterisks, but the fans are always get their due. They, they needed the Dodger fans needed to be rock raucous and they needed to, you know, have a whole stadium chanting FL to Bay, you know, forget like, Altuve, right? right. Forget out to Bay. Altuve which was kind of like, what, what, what are they saying? But it gets it out. You know, it's like one of those things, like people would say, if you're feeling frustrated or you haven't screamed into a pillow, you've ever heard that?
0: Uh And
1: that's what the Dodger fans were doing. They were just doing it in public, you know? So I don't think, I think that the writers and anybody, I'm specifically thinking of John Heyman, you don't, you don't count because you're you're not a Dodger fan. You're not and really I don't know that you're a baseball fan. But you don't count. <laughs> and the Dodger fans needed that release to yeah, be able to say Yeah, I think say, a lot of
0: people believe that. Um, I think the a lot of the issues for a lot of the folks that I heard on TV or radio was just the you know the throwing of the of the uh, the trash cans on the field and And some of that, but the booing and and the and that the fans got under Altuve's skin. And then I also before we move on to talk about the Angels and Rangers, what if Correa wants to leave Houston because he wants to get away from this persona that he picked up and now he has to run with it or look like he could have just been like Bregman and Altuve who have basically shut up about it.
1: Yeah, when they just take it, you know, it's uh, Bregman, he, it's kind of like, all right, I know when I get announced, I'm going to be booed. And even, I think we did talk about this, Bregman was supposed to, I remember he was hoping that one of his rehab assignments was going to be in Albuquerque, and he is from Albuquerque um, but the fans here in Albuquerque said, because there's a huge Dodger contingent, but again, it also goes back to just being a baseball fan and they cheated. They, they said, yeah, uh, the lab as they call it, where the isotopes play was not going to be a friendly confine for <laughs> Bregman if he did the show up boy. and he didn't show up. He hasn't been here yet.
0: No. Playing in round rock.
1: Yep. All right. So the uh, so the Dodgers and the
0: the Asterix split one one. They unless they end up in the World Series against each other, they won't see each other for another uh, three seasons because they will have next season. They've got the AL Central. Then they'll have the AL East and it'll be the third year that they'll get the AL West again. So it'll be a little while. And of course, in, t- in that things change. This stuff didn't fade because you had a whole year of isolation to sit there and let it fester and ferment into the explosion. Uh, oh,
1: and also there was um, somebody had went and looked at every single game that the Asterix played, and especially at home, but other places too, but at home and you can, you know, and said, okay, during this segment you can hear you know this and so uh-huh. what were people doing while they were cooped up in the house they were watching that video yep of the trash cans being uh-huh. hit so yeah it was a lot of a lot of pent-up frustration all right so the uh the angels
0: uh, headed to uh texas so the bottom two teams of the American League West, the Angels hovering at 500, actually this week ended up being one game above 500 for the week. And a pretty decent series that they had in Texas. Uh, they took three of the four games, losing the first one. They only had three hits in game one they in the four to one loss. They were 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position and left four on base. Not much happening. And and that's the one thing that I've noticed. The Angels pitching since the midway point, so early July, has been a lot better than it was before. I think I saw that the bullpen overall ERA is like, it had been like six something, is now at about three and a half. So they've really and there's been some good um, outings from the starters Uh, in this one. Chris Rodriguez uh, took the start and went six innings, uh, gave up four hits and four runs, struck out seven. Uh, Mike Myers and Jose Quintana gave up zero runs. They shut it down from there. But Chris Rodriguez started looking better. You know, most of these runs given up early. Uh, And then they shut it down. So they're still working on it. And with the way that this season is going for the Angels, they're going to be able to let some of these kids get out there and play and develop a little bit. And then we might have something for next year. We don't know. You know, one month's worth of good play doesn't mean. The only person right now on the team that has shown that one month was worth investing in would be Jared Walsh, who, of course, is waiting to come back off the uh, the injured list or has been on there until recently. So tough loss, four to one. They couldn't get anything going. It was Juan Ligares uh, drove in uh, Phil Gosselin. Uh, the next night, Phil Gosselin went three for five. So the goose was loose. And Captain Jack Mayfield with another home run uh, to contribute to in the eleven to three win. Uh, Jose Suarez five and two thirds, six hits, only gave up three runs. Uh, Shohei had a double, and they had called up Joe Adele, who was a scratch from the the Monday game, the game one. But he came in the next day, three for four, three RBIs, not a bad game, still iffy in the outfield. Had a couple of plays where he almost fell on what should have been routine, bounce off the wall play. And just about uh, took a tumbler. And he still has that kind of lackadaisical way about it. I saw him, though, hit a double. And he was trucking. And I was like, that's what we need to see every time.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: The Rangers, Jordan Lyles was the loser in that. And uh, and then Dennis Santana and Brett Martin. Brett Martin, the reason I brought him up was two of three inherited runners scored Ooh. and that's become one of those things that it's like that's that's a problem runners in scoring position how did you hit and did the relievers let inherited runners score so that yeah. didn't help them they lost 11 to 3 uh next night uh, much closer game two to one captain jack with another home run jay up went two for four and Shohei was on the mound, six innings pitch, four hits, only one run given up, uh, six strikeouts. He had a, a pretty decent outing overall.
1: Yeah, Ryzel Iglesias had his 23rd save. Yep. So looking good there.
0: And then, mm-hmm. uh, And then in game four of the series, the Thursday night, the Angels blanked the Rangers. Fletch, two for four with a stolen base. Adam Eaton hit his first home run. As an angel. And then um, Jose Iglesias, one for four with two RBIs. Max Stassi, one for three with a uh, sacrifice fly and an RBI. And the big news out of that game was Dylan Bundy, who got the start out of necessity. They needed somebody. And uh, he went uh, six and the third innings, three hits, no runs, six strikeouts.
1: Yeah, looking a lot better than he has and I think some of that, too, is he's changing some mechanics. He's right. working on some different things there. So
0: Shortening shortening his arm. Uh, he was bringing it way back, he said, to get more power to throw the ball harder and faster. But what was happening was is he was just losing control. And he didn't want to go through this whole process. I guess part of the process is, is throwing a football before games. Uh, So you have a shorter arm movement because football, you're not going to bring all the way back. Right. Yeah. You're going to be more up and then you're going to throw it with a shorter. So and it looks like it's been working. Dylan Bundy that we're hoping, you know, he's probably still be some because they said they thought it was going to be about an eight week process to work with these new mechanics. It took him about half that time because he at first didn't want to do it. But realized if I don't do something, where am I going to play next year? Right at the end of his uh, his contract. Yeah. So a good uh, they did what they were supposed to do. You know, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and the Rangers are one of those teams. So they uh, they worked that out. They uh, they took three of the four before heading Chavez Ravine.
1: So I want to kind of take a look back over the last three weeks. On a Friday, Dodgers have played the Rockies, lost in Zinnings. Played the Diamondbacks on a Friday, lost in Zinnings. Start this series with the Angels. and because On a Friday? On a Friday. And guess what the Dodgers did? They lost in Zinnings. Three weeks in a row.
0: That seems like a trend.
1: It is a trend and it's not a good trend. And looking at where the angels are in the standings not in the same as bad i guess as the uh where the rockies and the d-backs are as far as games back but really the dodgers because of the te- they should have should beat the the angels but it's a friday right.
0: they're a team that they should beat absolutely
1: and it's zinnings you know, it's like sometimes you're like, oh, it's Friday. We're going to have pizza for dinner every Friday. You know, we kind of had that right. thing. Well, for the Dodgers, apparently they've gotten into it's Friday. We're going to have Zinnings and we're going to lose because we're one and 12. Yeah.
0: So, one and 12.
1: Which makes no sense.
0: And those 12 are in a row. That one was like a a Zinning win early in the season.
1: And that was against the Padres. The
0: Dregs. Yeah. In the first
1: series of the. That's right. So every time they've been in Zinnings, it is in a row. Holy cow. It's just. They've lost every other Zinnings game since then. And, And they ask robots, they ask Dave Robots, you know, what's going on? And he doesn't know. I mean, he's a robot, he should know but he doesn't he an artificial intelligence out whatever has
0: been uh, has been ever been programmed,
1: programmed. <laughs> yeah so here we go another uh, the freeway series in LA uh, in Dodger Stadium and it's innings and the Angels win 4 to 3
0: but it looked like at one point that the Dodgers had it oh yeah under control
1: uh yeah they would have had it under control, but when you leave a uh, ten on base and you're two for twelve with runners in scoring position, it doesn't help. And
0: and they had eleven hits. It's not like they didn't have yeah. enough offense. They had the opportunities, but they could only score three runs. The Angels did. They waited. the The, the Dodgers scored in the first and the fourth. The Angels didn't score till the fifth, sixth. And then again in the 10. And once again, in this Zinnings thing, the Angels were able to move the ghost runner over. Joe Adele yes. was was on second to start it, and they were able to move him.
1: Yeah, and-, and the Dodgers cannot do that. They for some reason they cannot get that guy from second over. I mean, not even to third. And if they do get him to third, that's yeah. it. That's they're there. Uh, They pop up. Trey Turner, this was his debut as a Dodger. He wasn't in the lineup, but he did pinch hit. And I was really concerned because he popped up. And I'm like, no, you have the curse of the Zinnings or (laughs) something. You Um, are a Dodger. (laughs) You are a Dodger. You're a full-fledged Dodger. You popped up. But, yeah, they just didn't didn't have anything going. And uh, Patrick Sandoval on the mound. For the dot uh, for the angels, wish it was maybe for the Dodgers, but no, really. I mean, Price was on the mound for the Dodgers. He, it wasn't bad. I mean, he went five and a third innings, gave up four hits, two runs, uh, and he gave up. Yeah, wow. got a single. He did give up two home runs. So, uh, but Sandoval, on the other hand, five innings, seven hits. Uh, gave up two yep. runs, had four strikeouts, two walks. But yeah, the guy they're just getting it done and and they're smart. I think one of the smartest players that I see play the game is David Fletcher. He yeah. just knows there's just things that he does that are you may be some people like, "Oh, that's old school," but he, you know, he just is able to to do it.
0: No, he really is. He really is old school, as far as that goes. The way that he hits, the the way that he plays, the things that he sees. It's it's odd when you see him make a mistake. Overall, it was a it was a good game for both sides, except that once you get to Zinnings, the Dodgers forget how to play baseball. Jose Iglesias and uh, Captain Jack Mayfield, both with homers. I think uh, it was uh, Jose Iglesias that uh, hit the single that scored Adele. And that would be the winning run. Uh, Rysel Iglesias picked up save number twenty-four yep. in that game. And then Austin Warren, who we didn't talk about last week, is a uh, a rookie who's come up and has had some success. And it looks like, and there's a lot of talk about him, mostly because he's he's kind of diminutive. He is uh, he's in that uh, that David Fletcher size. He's not very tall. And he just doesn't look like he would be. But
1: he's taller than Altuve.
0: Well, that's not hard to do. Altuve's like right. two foot three.
1: <laughs> that's true. But yeah, he's a he's smaller guy, and I don't think he started off as a as a pitcher.
0: No, I don't think I mean, so either. He was
1: like a shortstop or maybe right. in the infield, and so uh, yeah, he he looked um, really good. The Dodgers actually saw. I think he pitched a couple of times in the against the Dodgers in relief. So yeah, um, you know, might might give up a hit, but he doesn't. He keeps them no runs score. So in the second game, things kind of changed
0: a little bit. Jumbo Jacks, because there was 12 strikeouts by the Dodgers. So that was good. Unfortunately, no French fries because the Angels lost. You know, you could have had both. The Angels win. Get the French fries. The Dodgers still could have struck out twelve. Got the jumbo jack.
1: Yeah, but they no. would have lost. And anyway, yeah. So five
0: to three victory. Another pretty good game, though. From just baseball watching, it was uh, it was a decent game. The Angels scored their three all in the third inning. Uh, Jay up was in the leadoff spot again. Fletch two for four with a double. Iggy. Jose Iglesias, two for three RBI and a base on balls. Kurt Suzuki, two for four. It was uh, Jaime Berea who was on the mound, who's been showing some some good uh, signs out there. Gave up three runs on six hits, struck out five. Uh, The problem was really this time... Was a reliever who's actually been having some good outings. Uh, Over the last week, he had shut things down and closed games out. But he had a problem with the Dodgers this time, and that's uh, Junior Guerra. He only won a third of an inning, gave up three hits and two runs, which was good for the Dodgers because that meant that they avoided another Zinnings game. Of course, it (laughs) wasn't Friday.
1: It wasn't Friday, so different. Well... Trey Turner for the Dodgers. He was in the lineup in second at second base, and he was one for three. But he is now being called the because he's in blue. He's Sonic the Hedgehog running those bases. Yep, I and I I have to say for a team that really does not have. I mean. Chris Taylor will, you know, has stolen a base, obviously Mookie Betts, not as much this year because he's having hip issues. Um, But to have somebody on the team that scores from first, and he's scoring on, you know, a grounder that's in shallow left field, you know, something where most guys are going to be, okay, we're going to stop. He just keeps on going. I mean, he is fast and I, it's exciting because the Dodgers need that. They don't really have anybody that um, runs like that or makes those type of plays.
0: Oh yeah. No, I, I agree. I, that was on full display in Sunday's game. Yeah. He started out, he's one for three in his first start at second base for the Dodgers. Um, that game, there was a, there was a decent amount. I was CT three was like two for four. Cody hit a home run. Corey was two for four. Julio looked uh, pretty decent overall. Um, I think he and Berea had almost the same the same line. I think both of them gave up six hits and three runs over five innings. Is that about right?
1: It's about right. He so uh, and and five strikeouts or. Yeah, both of them had five strikeouts. Um Berea pitched six, uh Urias went five. Oh, that's right. But six hits, three runs. Julio I think gave up had three walks. Uh Berea had uh two, but five strikeouts. I mean, very similar in in the lines. Um so, yeah, and I will say with Julio, uh there's some things I don't know. He just looks, I think he, this is probably one of the, these is most innings that he's pitched probably in a season. And we really need to get, you know, maybe see where he is as far as going in. Cause he looks tired sometimes, like, or labored sometimes.
0: Well, I would think so. Cause I don't think he's ever pitched more than, than he is now. And that's usually a problem, you know, yeah. at some point in the season. We saw that with Hinjin Ryu there where he went through that bad time downtime because he'd never pitched that much
1: yeah i so mean at I some think-
0: point this is where you want to start building a lead because then you don't need him to pitch as much or all the time you can give him an extra day off somewhere or something like that and and they they don't have that they're going to be fighting it out till the end because
1: the giants are not fading no and every time the giants were playing the brewers and every time If the Giants lose, the Dodgers lose. If the Giants look like they're going to lose because they had some Zinnings games with the Brewers, the Dodgers win, but guess who also wins? The Giants. They just have some kind of like magic potion or they got that little girl that was in the stands the other night when they were playing (laughs) against the Diamondbacks, putting curses on the players. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that must give them what an it evil is. eye. I don't know what it is, but somebody said, "Ah, you know, if they lose against the Angels, it's all right. They don't need to win that game. No, they need to win every single game at this point because of the way the Giants are playing. They have to win. Um, Sunday's game, Walker Bueller was on the mound, um, and he, again, you know, he didn't look bad, but it wasn't, you know, always his. It, I'd say his best performance. He was better than his last outing.
0: Went six innings, gave up four hits, one run. He walked four, but he did strike out eight. It wasn't too bad. He looked pretty, pretty good. Uh, I think the one, the one team that's probably happy that he pitched on Sunday is the Phillies.
1: Right. And we'll talk a little bit about that coming up on who who the Dodgers have next. But uh, but that's uh, there.
0: He wasn't too bad, but he looked Bueller-ish. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't
1: know. There's I don't. I guess there's some times where I see him and he's just on point all the time and maybe that's what you get used to seeing or that's what you want to see in your head. You're like, oh, Bueller's on the mound. And he, you know, yeah, I mean, he did have, he looked a lot better than his outing against Houston. Reed Detmers, this was his second start Uh, for the Angels. Yep. And um, he went five innings, uh, gave up seven hits, five runs, two walks, had five strikeouts, did give up a home run. But the thing I liked about Reed Detmers is, you know, he starts out and, he, you know, they were just hitting. It was just constant. But then he settles down, and I guess this is all pitchers, but for somebody who this is the second start in the majors, he settles down and gets into that rhythm. And I think the more he pitches, obviously, I think the better he's going to get. And I think he's going to he's, I think, really going to be a good addition to a uh, pitching staff that needs it.
0: He gave up all five of the runs in the first two innings. His home run was to Albert Pujols, number 676. But after that first two innings, he shut the Dodgers down. Mm hmm. And he throws a lot of strikes. And that was one thing that I heard. I was watching the Dodgers network versus the Angels. And Oral Hershizer, Joe Davis, both were saying, wow, he just goes right after you. He never backs away from it. And he's not like, okay, now let me start nibbling on the corners and trying out here and making things worse. He accepted this happened and go, and... Joe Madden has the luxury of letting him go a little farther to see what's going on. And that's something we've talked about. You got to let these guys figure out how to pitch out of jams yep. and tough situations. They had um in the second inning, they did have uh, last year somebody that got in a trade, Packy Notton from the Reds, was up. And I thought Reed Detmers looked young. Packy Naughton looks like he should be playing in the Little League World Series.
1: Well, he, he has that name, Packy. Packy. yeah. <laughs> he should be in the Little Leagues.
0: So this was more like if you're a Dodger fan, what you wanted to see. And on a Sunday afternoon of watching a game, Trey Turner really showed what you were talking about uh, as far as that whole Sonic the Hedgehog thing. He's scoring from first on a single that really was poorly played by the Angels as well. But he was smart enough to do that. It changes the dynamic of the team with Trey Turner on the field. When he gets on base, it's a different game.
1: Yeah, it really is. There was um, a hit, and of course I can't remember um, ever, but uh, and it was a long, I mean, it looked like, if it had gone over his head, you know, or over the wall, obviously it would have been a home run, but it was a long um, fly out to Brandon Marsh. And Trey Turner was on first, and he had already started uh, like around He second. was already
0: around second.
1: And then he, uh, Brandon Marsh caught that ball, and he got back to first. And a lot of times you would have seen, you know, really close play or... Uh, maybe an out there, but not with Trey Turner. So Mostly an out. And yeah. he, because he was so far
0: around, they were looking to make sure he touched second on his way back to first.
1: Yeah, and yeah, he's, was, another, uh, he's another one, as I mentioned, with David Fletcher. Um, I've watched him play, obviously, with the Nationals, um, but just in these last couple of games, I've watched him play with the Dodgers. He's another one that uses those, you know, the old... He wants to be good everywhere he wants to be good in the when he's playing defense and offense and i um david fletcher is the same and he's smart baseball you know wise so he knows yeah i gotta touch the bag otherwise you know there could be some seasoned players that did not that would miss that so overall a uh, uh- a good game for the Angels. They're seeing
0: a lot of good stuff out of some of their younger guys. Brandon Marsh on that play made a spectacular running catch into the wall yep. to um, to catch that ball. And then um, Adele, a couple of doubles in the game and an RBI. He's still a defensive liability overall. And I oh he almost blew a, a basic pop-up. I don't think everybody saw this but when it came down the way that he just kind of lazily threw his glove up and he caught the ball it almost where it went he didn't squeeze it close and it, he almost lost it
1: And was it Sunday's game or Saturday's game where he went to make a play, you know, he was trying to get the ball and he flipped over into the stands?
0: That was and- Sunday.
1: That was Sunday, right? Okay. So on Sunday's game, uh, you know, he was, he was trying to, you know, get, make a play and he ended up in the stands. He had a, a
0: short wall <laughs> out there and he, yeah. he didn't, he was situationally unaware. And I mean, he did make an effort, but, you know, he's going to end up because he doesn't take a look at these things. He just goes out and figures, well, I can play and I'll be fine. And then it. You know, he he'll end up injured like that, or he will miss plays. Yeah, situational That's,
1: awareness. Uh, Definitely. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, Packy Naughton came in uh, after Reed Detmers uh, threw an inning, gave up a run and two hits. Mike Myers gave up two runs. Sam Selman, who had uh, pitched with uh, San Francisco earlier this year, was a uh, was a pickup. Uh, came in to finish everything out. There was a lot of positives for the Angels, even in the eight to two loss. They did come away with a four to three win on the week. The Dodgers three and two on the week. So you know, one game over five hundred for the week. Uh, Justin Brule made his MLB debut in this uh, this game, as well as Kevin Quackenbush and his uh, awesome beard. <laughs> He started out okay, but then just. Although he was the one who got us to Jumbo Jack territory, so even though Quackenbush didn't pitch well, in the hole, right? He still got us some food.
1: Still helped. Planet Head has a beard, not as long. Um, he keeps it more trimmed. Um, as Quackenbush, but he always has to have a comb and he's always combing his beard. And I wonder in between pitches or in the bullpen, if Quackenbush is out there out there combing there. his you know, his now, beard.
0: But one thing I got to do say about, uh, I do need to say about Quackenbush. This was uh, his first outing since
1: 2018. Yeah, that's
0: that's, the, uh, that's a
1: big time. Uh, you know, <laughs> from
0: a third of not an Not being 18- on the mound he had moments where he looked pretty good but unfortunately for the most part the angels uh started figured him out in a hurry yeah Uh, it's crazy because the angels don't have a lot of players that figure people out in a hurry they can but they haven't they Um, suffer from the same problems though it made me wonder with the angels they're around 500 what if trout and rendon were having what typical years for them and we're part of this team. What if we had one, at least one solid every day, every, you know, week pitcher, however, that's always good every time they come up, kind of like Dylan Bundy was last year. So that um, we just, would they be up higher in the playoff standings, at least, you know, with a, a better shot than they are now? I just, I wonder.
1: Well, I think a lot of people wonder that. And then the other thing a lot of people wonder is Mike Trout turned 30. Right. And uh, had a birthday. And, yeah. So, he's And usually, he he hits a home
0: run on his birthday when he plays. Yeah.
1: Not not this time.
0: So, we don't know when Trout's coming back. With 50 games about left, the question is, do we need him to come back? Should he just take the rest of the season off?
1: Well, I will say... Seeing Brandon Marsh out there, I, you know, I'm sure it would be fun, you know, nice to have Trout back, but where you, where the angels are in the standings, they're not, you know, they're not going to the playoffs. Keep Brandon Marsh out there, get Mike Trout healthy, get that calf right, because that seems to be, you know, it looks like it's heal, you know, it's healing, but there's still something there and let him have. One of the, you know, the best seasons of his career next season. And everybody can be like, 31-year-old Mike Trout is out there, you know, running. He's the, incredible. Yeah, running circles around these these younger guys. Uh, yeah, because I don't see a reason really at this point. Get him as healthy as you can. Rendon's out for the season. So Brandon Marsh is fitting in really nice, nicely there. He's got another. Uh, they should have a battle of the beards. There you go. I like it. Charlie Blackman in there, Quackenbush, you know, whoever else will get the battle of the beards. Perfect.
0: So if you notice, uh, didn't really say anything about Shohei Ohtani, and this is because while he played in Texas and pitched and had a decent week uh, in L.A., he was just a pinch hitter. He did pinch hit in each game. But they walked him one time. Actually, I think he had got walked twice, and then one time I I don't remember if he struck out or flew out or whatever. He
1: struck out. Bruce Star Gratterall struck him right. out. That's and right.
0: That's right.
1: He was excited.
0: So he really didn't have anything because there's no DH, and he did go out and play uh, the outfield for a little bit after I believe it was on uh, Sunday's game. He went out to the outfield, but. That was uh, that was it. So we didn't see a lot of Shohei. The Dodgers fans didn't get to see a lot of him. But we'll see more of him uh, in the, the coming week. Uh, the Dodgers, the one thing I wanted to see happen, you know, last year, and even the last series. Well, the last series I wasn't as broken up either. This one I didn't really care so much who won. In fact, I was rooting for Albert to, uh, to have three big games against against them. He started the the Friday night game, uh, but uh, didn't really do anything until Sunday when he took Reed Detmer's yard uh, for a two-run home run. And uh, they walked him so Packy Naughton didn't have to give up a home run as well, Uh, (laughs) because I think that's probably what would have happened. So number 676, he's only got, uh, he only needs, I think, 20 more. To catch a fraud to time so he needs 21 more which I'm sad to say unless he goes on some major run is not going to happen this season and probably won't happen so he'll end up fifth he is third on the RBI all-time list with 2144 he had a couple of RBIs three RBIs over the weekend So, uh, you know he only hit 222 for the week but still uh-
1: and the question was answered if Tio, Berto hits a home run. Who hugs him? And that is Max Muncy hugs him.
0: Right. There you go.
1: Because he hugs everybody who gets a home run. And everybody's like, well, who hugs him? Max was right there ready to give him a hug. So
0: Sweet. All right. This coming week for the Dodgers, they're heading to Philadelphia to take on the surging Phillies. This is a team you wanted to see a couple of months ago.
1: Yeah. Get not right now. now
0: on an eight game at, as of the, as of Sunday, they were on an 8 game winning streak. Uh, they have completely changed the complexion of the NL East and their own season uh, being uh, over 500 when they were under or at for most of the, uh, most of the season so far. So they're making a run at the, at the best time. Um, and then, uh, and then they'll slide over to the best time to see the Mets who are slumping. Uh, both uh, and I guess Javi Baez may not be available for this series. We'll talk more about that uh, when we spin the wheel of I.L. Uh, so let's let's go with the Dodgers first. Who's your player of the week?
1: So this one was tough because I could have gone with AJ. Who continues to hit and really is just, I mean, totally different um, hitter in the box than he has been. And of course, you know, CT3, but CT3, there were times where, you know, he didn't hit. So this time I went with somebody that I don't think that I have picked all season, and that's Mookie Betts. And I went with Mookie. Uh, he was six for 16, 375. And I'm sure if he, is, you know, were to listen to this, he'd be like, I am not player of the week, but he is my player of the week. He had uh, three RBIs, two home runs, and he's playing with, you know, a hip issue that Dave Roberts has said is not going away. You got to manage it. Um, But he's out there. Um, He even in uh Saturday's game was batting third. Trey Turner was um, the lead, the lead off. Up, So yeah yeah to give some of that and um but he's still out there and uh he has he's getting better so i thought that mookie deserved it he did have an off day a scheduled off day on sunday but again you know we'll see if he plays in these upcoming series but player of the week mookie bets
0: i went a completely different direction because i believe and i have co players of the week all right uh, i believe that they These two players uh, have changed the complexion of the team. Now, whether the team as a whole comes around and these two guys uh, really help change things and it and it gets these guys gets the Dodgers to where they need to be to overtake the Giants. Uh, I've given uh, my co-players of the week to Max Scherzer and to Trey Turner. And Trey is specifically because of what I saw on Sunday and just the way that he can change the whole game with his speed on the base pass. I think that the Dodgers are in a good spot if they don't keep Corey, because I think Trey Turner overall, fielding-wise, is a better shortstop, and he can provide a lot of offense. So if Corey doesn't uh, doesn't stay... I did see a uh, a article about Corey in the LA times. I think it was bill shaken who wrote Corey, uh, signing with the angels would be, oh. and then Turner moves into short and I don't know. We'll see. I, we'll see what uh, happens there.
1: I also, they were also on my list. Um, I really thought I could go with them, but, um, I'm sure that they will be my players of the week in, you know, coming weeks, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, uh, so now let's look at the Angels. Uh,
0: they've got a homestand that uh, that started off with Toronto coming in. On, uh, on the first game, it's a doubleheader. With the first game, it's a split doubleheader. So the first game will be the makeup from when they were somewhere in Florida, Blue Jays, for one of the games there. And then the next game will be actually part of the three-game set. The scheduled three-game set, uh, and then um, and then they have the Asterix for three, so they'll have uh, a seven-game week. They had uh, they had uh, Monday off, which they they probably needed just to take a break, settle in at home. And the first game of the doubleheader is a Blue Jays home game, and the Angels right. actually coming up will have a uh, a makeup game versus the Yankees as well from one that was missed. Player of the
1: week this is another one. I probably went in a totally different direction than I thought I was going to go with. Um, but I was just looking over and because pitching is always a concern, I think for every team now, but especially for the angels, I went with Sam Selman. Uh, I know he's, uh, you know, he comes in and does some relief work. He was, you know, in the trade with, the uh, Tony Watson angels got, uh, Sam, uh, he, Pitched um, three and two thirds innings, gave up a hit, but didn't give up any runs, didn't give up any walks, only five strikeouts. But he's not, you know, he's only pitching, you know, three and two thirds innings over that entire time. And from what I saw when he, you know, pitched against the Dodgers, I think um, good pickup for the for the Angels in the bullpen. And I just thought that he, maybe a pitcher deserved a Player of the Week um, honors from me for the Angels.
0: That's a tough one. Uh- To do pitchers with the Angels. Yeah. But they have been been throwing pretty well overall uh, since uh, for this second half of the season. I went with Jose Iglesias. In seven games, he uh, hit 280, two doubles, seven RBIs. He had a home run, scored three runs, and walked twice. Uh, That home run he had was versus the Dodgers. The interesting thing... Is it usually that I saw about him was when I was looking up his stats, normally with war wins above replacement. So basically, if you're replaced by a triple A player, how many wins are you better? So, like, Shohei was 6.8 war, I think we talked about last week. So he's good for almost seven more wins than a standard uh, replacement from triple A. Jose Iglesias, usually when you look at the wars, it's a negative war or a positive. War. Jose Iglesias war is zero, meaning that he could be replaced by a triple A and you don't gain anything, but you don't lose anything. So I think he's probably a little better than a zero, but that stood out to me that normally you don't see that, but he's, uh, he's had a good week and he's been, he's been contributing. So that's, uh, that's my POW Jose Iglesias. Iggy. All right, time to tiptoe around the league, see what's happening. We already talked about the surging Phillies. Uh, we, we'll talk a little bit about just the, the, the tweaks in the NL East, because it does look different.
1: Uh, but first, players of the week. So for the second straight week, George Springer of the Toronto Blue Jays is the American League Player of the Week. He hit 364 with three homers, a triple, three doubles, 11 RBIs, and a 1.177 OPS over eight games. And he obviously likes uh, playing in Toronto, being back in, in Canada. And uh, yeah, just. Uh, and he hit a three run homer off of Red Sox closer Matt Barnes with two outs and they had Toronto had come back from a five run deficit. So exciting for the blue Jays. So second week in the, in a row,
0: he's definitely helped uh, the blue Jays. Not that he needed to add it to the excitement level because they're an exciting team regardless, but he's definitely jumped in there and added. And I think at this point, if you were still thinking about him being an asterisk, you're starting to forget if you haven't already
1: it's right i'm glad you brought that up because i was thinking about that because he was part of that but he's a blue jay now and he's really cementing himself there as a blue jay and i think that's what you need to do I mean, he keeps and it i've up. always liked george springer i he um before all of that and um yeah he just needs to keep it keep that going
0: if he keeps it up, he and uh, Vladdy Jr. will both have statues out front of the Rogers Center.
1: <laughs> and then for the NL, uh, a former angel. C.J. Crone, who now plays for the Rockies. This is his first weekly honor. He hit 556 with four homers, 16 RBIs, and a 1.914 OPS in five games He had two multi-homer games. He scored eight runs and drove in thirteen in the three-game sweep of the Marlins. Good for CJ Crone and the Rockies because the Rockies don't have a lot to smile about.
0: If he could have done that a little more um, consistently, he may have. I doubt that he would have still been an Angel. But he's bounced around. He has some moments, but he seems to have found a, a home in in Colorado. Uh, So good for him. Way to go. All right. Real quick. Something that uh, I noticed was, you know, we talked about the Phillies on a on a win streak, the Mets on a losing streak. The Braves have also gone over 500 and it was the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves. Now it is the Phillies, the Braves and the Mets.
1: Yeah, totally different look there. I think some people they were maybe were counting out the Braves to a certain extent and really focusing um, on the Mets and then the Phillies. But yeah, it's totally different. Uh, Washington still is the same, but those three players, uh, three teams, are those are the major players in the East. And Atlanta is two games behind Philly. Uh, Mets are two and a half behind atlanta so that could be exciting as we get uh deeper
0: into this season a real pennant race that and then uh looks like that we have that in the al east as well where the rays and the Red Sox are are battling it out uh tampa bay showed why they are where they were the orioles started off on sunday with a, a great game a lot of scoring a lot of runs early and tampa bay came back and beat them to uh to sweep the orioles over last weekend. Um, you know, oh, something else I thought about the Mets were in first place for 86 days of the season, and at one point were five games ahead of the Phillies. They can't get all in. Uh, one other question when it comes to the playoffs the Reds, who have been surging behind Joey Votto, can they catch the dregs in the wild card? So we'll have to keep watching that, but that was just something that a question that popped in my head. I guess a lot of it will all depend on whether any of the Reds or the Dregs or any of the contenders end up riding The Wheel of I.L. Oh,
1: The Wheel of I.L. So Kyle Schwarber, he had injured his hamstring. Actually, when they were playing, the Nationals were playing the Dodgers, was on the I.L., was traded to the Red Sox, started to rehab, but now has a groin injury. He is back on the I.L. Going to need some more time. So I don't know. He took some hints from uh, Alex Bregman. Not sure, but uh, he's back. Jason Hayward has inflammation in his index finger. So he's the one cub that you probably know their name, uh, but he's on the IL. Araldus Chapman is on the IL. Just as the Yankees are starting to heat up a little bit, he goes on the IL. Had some, uh, I guess, some inflammation um, to elbow ligaments, but it looks like it's going to be okay. No, No real damage there. Javi Baez. He was playing shortstop because his friend, Francisco Lindor is on the IL with an oblique injury. He now is having some hip issues. He's day to day. They haven't formally put him on the IL, but that'll be interesting because now you got Javi and Francisco possibly on the IL together. Jacob deGrom will have another MRI and if, Everything looks good. He'll start throwing, so we'll probably see him again. Fernando Tatis Jr. on the I.L., but is taking batting practice and is out in the outfield shagging balls. And uh, a lot of people are like, I don't know, because some of the things he's doing, but he's determined to to be back. Brock Stewart. You think I'm sexy? I just want my body.
0: All you got to do. That's
1: a name that a lot of Dodger fans know. He is having Tommy John surgery. Ouch! Jimmy Nelson, I did not mention this during the Dodger segment. He has been pretty good as a reliever for the Dodgers this season. He is also having Tommy John surgery. They are both out for the season. Do
0: you think they get a discount for more than one?
1: <laughs> I, I wonder It seems to be that way. So Sanchez of the Marlins is having shoulder uh, surgery that will end his season. And I mentioned the COVID-19 IL, um, still on the same wheel, but different. It looks a little different. It seems like that wheel's
0: getting bigger every week.
1: It gets bigger. And I mentioned that. Don Mattingly of the Marlins was had COVID had po- tested positive for COVID, but nobody else on the Marlins had tested positive because we we're like, well, nobody hangs around with him. Obviously, that's not true. Jazz Chisholm must have been hanging around with Don Mattingly because he is now on the I.L. with COVID. Josh Hader and Randy Arozarena, both victims of COVID. <laughs> On the IL, (laughs) can't play, but the biggest name this week that I think was a little bit of a, well, I don't know, was it a shocker? Anthony Rizzo of the New York Yankees has also tested positive for COVID. Now we know Garrett Cole, I think Gary Sanchez... Uh, There's several that have um, in that clubhouse more than once have tested positive for COVID-19. I don't know. It's like the, you know, just going through Um, Anthony Rizzo had made comments about, um, you know, getting vaccinated and, but hopefully he's okay. And I think he is from what Aaron Boone said that, you know, it's kind of minimal, his symptoms. I think if but, it was
0: real, if it had gotten bad for him that uh, we would have heard more about that.
1: Right. Yeah. So, but you know, with all these different, you know, lots of things going on, obviously with the Delta variant, there is talks between MLB and the MLBPA uh PA the players association to maybe increase protocols for COVID because one of the things that the Yankees said is we were in Florida, we got back, our players started testing positive for COVID. So, you know, and that's, you know, I don't know that everybody, they, everything is blamed on Florida, but you know, is it something, I don't know. So it's in the water. It's in the water, but maybe so. I was thinking
0: if you're like the Phillies and you have players out, because isn't Dede Gregorius out? Do you want him to come back off the I.L. when you're on a surge without him?
1: Right. Yeah. It's you. I wonder that you want to same... mess up
0: the team chemistry.
1: Yeah. You just you're on the I.L. Let's see. Hit, hit you hit him with the hammer on his knee. Oh, sorry. You're it's, on the IL. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. You're going to continue to be on the I.L. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh we'll get updated on uh on the will next week. Ah! Want to check out today with a uh with a positive thing. This week is finally even though they thought about doing it last year, they were smart to not. The Field of Dreams game between the two same teams, the White Sox and the Yankees is uh is happening. And uh that all that's happening today.
1: Yeah. 12. So the White Sox will be the home team in the matchup because of their role in the 1989 Field of Dreams movie that you and I both saw in the theater at the same time. I know. Wow. <laughs> so in which the ghosts of Shoeless Joe Jackson and other members of the 1919 Black Sox play on the diamond in the Iowa cornfield. But this is one of the most expensive regular season tickets in major league baseball history, about 8,000 fans in a cornfield in Iowa. Tickets are the average ticket price is about $1,400, but a maximum of $4,000. Not surprised. And not surprising, but um, residents of Iowa could put their names into a lottery to be able to purchase tickets, not get a ticket, which I thought would have been better um, because they're blacked out from everything. I was going to say, they can't even watch this game. No, anyway. (laughs) And they finally get, maybe be able to buy a ticket or put my name into a sweepstakes kind of thing. And it's just so that they can buy a ticket. They don't even get a free ticket to go to the game. So I don't know what the MLB has against Iowa. But it's this really... is on,
0: I think it's on ESPN, so they probably would get to watch it because it's a national ESPN game.
1: It's on Fox.
0: Okay, Fox. Sorry.
1: Yeah, it's all the same. It's, a, it's all the same. And if it was on ESPN, we wouldn't have to deal with Joe Buck. But because it's on Fox, you will have Joe Buck,
0: right? It was a fraud or Joe Buck.
1: I'm yeah, so which one? i think you i would have gone
0: with a fraud uh,
1: yeah but Although it should be Joe fun Buck
0: doesn't bother me the way that he bothers so many others
1: yeah like because
0: mostly i don't <laughs> pay attention to him
1: right yeah but it will be a fun game um fill the dreams in iowa white Sox versus the yankees wearing replica jerseys
0: are you sure it's iowa
1: i'm sure it's iowa dryersville iowa
0: could it be heaven And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast.
1: Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB.
0: We're also on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show, at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast.
1: Next week on SRBB, the pennant races are heating up. We'll check in on the hottest matchups.
0: Yeah, like the Cubs and Marlin. You're out!
1: I, I wonder, um, you know, Planet Beard has a Planet Beard. <laughs>